That was a good one. It like gets better every time you do it. Every time, man. Surprise! <laughs> Belated birthday present. This dude's been grinding since day one. Yeah, and it's something like, who are these dipshits? Exactly. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, Grindcasters? Welcome to another episode. I am Johnny. I'm Andrew. What's up, people? What's happening, Andrew? What's going on, man? Man, you know what? Before we get going, I really got a bone to pick with our listeners. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a big deal, man. Uh, I realize the show's still fairly new. Um, I, I think just like our intro said, we, we kind of get better every episode, almost like a fine wine. Uh, no, no doubt this episode is going to be a slam dunk, but you know, I'm looking at our numbers. We've had over a thousand downloads, which is not too shabby. I'm pretty proud of that, but our listeners are doing a poor job of going on, giving us some ratings and reviews, man. You're right. 24 yeah. ratings, 24 ratings, two reviews. Our fun level is at a two. A two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that myself, you know. Um, shout out to uh 1298 Chili and Braves420 for leaving us reviews and letting us know how we're doing. But the rest of y'all need to step it up. Give us a review, give us a five star, even though we don't deserve it. Give us a five star. Let us know how we're doing, okay? Subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, follow the pattern. Come on, let's get us on the map. Yeah, we need to put up some numbers. Help us out. Yeah. If you don't want to follow us on uh, Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts, go online. We're we're mainly active on Instagram at the Grind and Gain Show. Uh, you need to leave us a five star or, or or don't ever listen to us again. <laughs> so Johnny, let's uh, let's start getting into it, man. How, how's everything going with you, man? How's Sarah holding up with the pregnancy? She's good, man. Tracking along. She's getting big. It's uh, it's coming along. We're um, what's the due date? Well, it's like May third, but we're hoping okay. for a Cinco de Mayo baby. We want a Cinco oh, de Mayo man. baby. Is, be... Are you guys gonna all wear sombreros? <laughs> Margaritas <laughs> in the delivery room? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Frozen margarita machine in the room. That's how <laughs> we're gonna do it. That's awesome, man. Yep. Um. Andrew, I know that, uh, you know, some, you've had some things going on with your family. Um, I'm really sorry to hear about your mother-in-law pass. How's everybody uh, holding up on your end? Yeah, man, that was a uh, rough, um, appreciate you asking, but we, we were in Kentucky all last week. Um, the services were awesome and we got to meet a ton of people that she kind of held very close to our hearts during the visitation, it was like three hours and the line was, you know, wrapped around the building the whole time. And I got to meet wow. probably two dozen kids that, well, kids, they were my age now that said that my mother-in-law actually helped, you know, raise them. They considered her, you know, like a pseudo mother to them. So it was just really cool to hear some of the stories. And she's one of the most selfless people I've ever met. Um, she was you know, a, a great Nana to, to my kids and her grandkids meant everything to her. So yeah, it was sad to say bye, but I think we did it the right way. And, um, we really appreciated all the support and stuff. You know, it's kind of crazy that they always say that things like that come in threes. Um, my mother-in-law passed away and then, um, I had a teammate I played college baseball with that passed away too, Shay Harris. So, uh, 
shout out to his family and hopefully everybody's doing okay there. And then I know everybody knows about Kobe and even though, you know, I didn't know him personally, but just following him all these years and he was really deep, man, not just on the court, but off the court, he um, really inspired people to be better and to be great. And so I think he's touched a lot of people's lives and, you know, he will certainly be missed. And that was a tragic, tragic, tragic accident, but yeah, we're holding up. That's good. Um, hey, don't you have a buddy that played with Kobe? Yeah, man, Josh Powell. He's he's my guy. He's my dude. <laughs> you think that uh, he would come on? It, well, first, do you think he's like your favorite two-time NBA champion of all time? Oh, hands down. No doubt about it. Josh is uh, not only on the court, off the court, dude, will give you the shirt off his back. He, um, just like my mother-in-law, man, he's selfless. He's always looking out for other people. Absolutely, I think he'd come on. In fact, here he is, Josh Powell, a.k.a. the Give Back Kid. Welcome to the show, Josh. We need some sound effects for that to welcome you properly. Yes, yes. yes. How are y'all doing? Yep. We're hanging in there, man. We're doing good. We're, we're. I mean, just like everybody, man, it's been yeah. pretty rough. Yeah, we, yeah uh, I definitely man. agree. It's been a rough week. Like like Andrew was just saying, you know, the tragic loss of Kobe and his daughter and the the, uh, the seven others in that 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 accident. Um, you know, you were kind of one of the lucky ones that got to know Kobe on a personal level. You got to play with him. Um, you saw him at his peak. Um, you know, you worked, you traveled, you hung out with him. Um, how how does this affect you? How are you holding up with everything? You know, it's crazy because um, the same thing y'all were saying, how everything seems to happen in threes. Um, I actually, uh, a couple months ago, lost a brother of mine, Andre Emmett, um, another NBA guy, another hooper. Um, just a, a great, great brother, um, a great father, great person. Um, he was, uh, his life was taken. Um, somebody tried to rob him at his house and, uh, after that, Damn. I think it was like a couple of weeks later, maybe like two weeks later or something. It was really close. But Anthony Grundy, who was my OG at college, um, was a senior when I was a freshman. We 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 got really close. We played on the same team and against each other for years to go after that. His uncle stabbed him to death at a like a family function or something like that. Um, wow, and then, you know, obviously, you know, the situation with Kobe, which, you know, my birthday was literally Saturday. And then, uh, coming off of that, you know, Sunday, I'm in the middle of, uh, training, uh, just started a training academy with, uh, two other, two other professional, retired professional guys. And in the middle of the session, um, got the news and, um, you know, it's it's um it's crazy, man, because Kobe is an icon. Like, I don't I don't know how much bigger it gets. Yeah. Um, when you start talking about people that pass away, um, you know, Mike Prince. You know, obviously, um, the whole Nipsey hustle. Like, you know, I feel for the city of Los Angeles, but Nipsey was big. Um, yeah, it's it's just unfortunate. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, tough man it didn't seem real when it first happened and it's really kind of sucks that everybody found out through tmz that was yeah. kind of a um 
You know what's crazy is uh, I know people are upset about how everybody found out, but it's like um, I'm, I'm kind of – it's just the world we live in, and you can't get upset with TMZ doing that if you're not going to get upset with TMZ being at people's houses or harassing people at the airports or all the other right. stuff that they do. Um, so don't don't try to make it a huge thing now, you know, just because it's Kobe. And that's just my opinion. Like I don't I don't like how it happened, but at the same time, these people have been doing stuff like this for a long time. Right. There's nothing it's that's not new. new. Yeah. And oh, yeah. um people gotta understand that, like media, you know what I'm saying? Like that's how people are making livings and that's what they're doing. And I mean, hell, I've been traded and I my agent and I didn't know I was traded. And to watch it on ESPN on the clicker, it's like, you know, damn. You know what I'm saying? So, obviously, being traded and losing your life, you know, I'm not trying to compare those two. I'm just saying if we think of things, we just put things in perspective. The way it is. um, You know, that's that's just what it is. You know, if anything, maybe there should start being some – not only with TMZ, but holding media outlets and journalists accountable for the sensitivity of certain things and the timing of it. Now, I'm not right. against that at all, but TMZ been doing bullshit for a long time. Excuse my language. I don't even know if we can use that type of verbiage on this show. You, we definitely we can. can. Man. This is our own show. We can do whatever we want. Whatever the fuck we want. There we go. Let's say this. But, um, yeah, man, I, I I just think that the the angle that they're going with it, you know, and, and everything, man, I, I'm, I'm – not really on that because at the end of the day, the most important thing, which is unfortunate is nine people lost their lives. And it just so happened that um, an icon was on that helicopter when it happened. Um, And it's just sad and it's sickening um, to me because there's so many different emotions. I think the biggest emotion I think about in that is the fact that, um, the fa- like the, the, the husband he was, but then the father, you know what I'm saying? Like the fact that him and right. his yep. child went down together. And I, I, I just, I run my head around so many things and I just wonder what it was like inside that, that helicopter. Like, and, and I can only imagine, I know how Kobe is and, and I, I'm, I, I'm just sure he was probably just trying to reassure everybody it's going to be okay. Keeping everybody calm and just, you know, even though he probably knew what was going on, you know, he was just probably trying to keep everybody smooth and calm through whatever was going on. So it's just, it's just sucks. sure. Right. So throughout the whole week, man, you know, everybody's kind of been reliving Kobe's greatest moments, not, you know, not just on the court, but I know you've done a great job on social media posting stuff of substance from Kobe, you know, some of his messages and some of the lasting stuff we can all take with us day in and day out. And, you know, Kobe said himself that, you know, his measurement of greatness was how you inspire others. So the time you did get with him, which like Johnny said, you know, you're pretty unique in that you got to be so close to him. What did he inspire you and what are you going to take with him or from him the rest of your life? He inspired me as a man. Um, You know, I know a lot of people haven't touched on this but I'm going to share my thoughts on this um, regardless it's just me Um, when I look at his career over 20 something years um, obviously there's two different phases of it you know you have number 8 and then you have number 24 and um, 
Number eight, you know, a lot of people say they weren't really a fan of. They were saying how selfish he was, how um, he was an asshole, um, you know, very to himself, this, that, and the third. Um, and to see the transition, especially after the case and everything that went on with that, and right. how he basically rebranded himself so good and so great to a point where people and I'm saying this respectfully but it's like they damn near forgot about the case you know what I'm saying right because of how they viewed him not only as a player but then as a father as a husband as a friend as a brother you know just how he started to show up for people in a different way moving forward you know how he was being more open right He, he was being more open about um his challenges and and adversities and just him sharing knowledge of the game with other people like the list goes on and on and on so that's one aspect of it just as a man as a husband um you know him being with Vanessa since they were like kids and all the things that they've been through the different transitions and all of the challenges you know all the good the bad just how they went through that and to still have that love for one another, um, I think is truly amazing. Um, I also think as a father, he made a tremendous impact on my life to see how he was with his kids. I mean, I just posted something on my social media the other day. It's like a clip and he just talked about, you know, how he always tried to be there for his kids and he could be somewhere. And if it was somebody's birthday, he going to hop on a plane, go celebrate, then come back and join the team and, I mean, he was just all over the place, man. And being that it's only him, just everything he was able to do because he knew the importance of it and and the importance of his presence being where it needed to be, you know, and he was able to have that balance. And, I mean, it was just a well-rounded bit of tutelage that I was able to get from a man like Kobe. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely known for – more so on the court for being like a relentless guy. It sounds like in his personal life, he was relentless in his love and affection for his family members and stuff like that. But on the court, his relentlessness kind of raised the game of those around him. And uh, it's kind of now everybody refers to it as the mama mentality, you know, and what does the mama mentality mean to you? Oh, uh, I just think zero fucks, man. Like you. <laughs> that might be the best answer I've ever heard. It's just a level of like showing up and competing and the compassion and the passion. And he was determined to be great at everything. Like does not like to lose a true competitor. Um, just not seeing nothing like that, man. It, it, it was, it's just incredible, like, to have that mindset. And I think that when you see a lot of the people that he was close with or he resonated with, he felt that they shared that. And it wasn't, it, it had nothing to do with your skill level or your profession. It was just, again, that mindset, we can take that mindset anywhere. You can take that mindset as a parent. You can take that mindset as a husband or a wife. You can take that mindset um, as an entertainer, as an athlete, as a doctor, as a lawyer, radio personality, whatever. It's just something 
that you can have with you that can carry you to so many different places, man. It's just a level of greatness, you know, mm-hmm. and that is the type of general, you know, the type of man that he was. Um, he just didn't give a fuck, man. And he's going to do him <laughs> and he's going to do him in such a way, man. It just, it just, you can't do nothing but get that energy from him, you know, and want to raise your level up no matter what it is. Sure. So what was the the first time you realized you were working alongside and practicing, practicing against and playing with greatness? Those practices, the games wasn't shit. And I know that sounds crazy, but I think that if you start listening to people and really start owning in to their experiences, it's not what we see when the lights are on. It's what you see when the lights are off. Right. It's him working out at three, four in the morning. It's him in practices and how he pushed everybody to get better. It's him when the game is over and he didn't have a good game and he got the arena keeping the lights on and he's in there till 12, 1, 2 in the morning. It's him working out before a practice. Like, he done already did two hours before the practice at 10. You're like, Jesus, bro, like, how are you doing this? Um, <laughs> I think... I just think it's those things, man. Like, he just always wanted to have those mental edges on people. Like, so many stories that I could think about, man. I, I remember Jay Williams talking about a story how he he got to the arena, like, three hours early, and Kobe was already in there. And then Kobe made it a point to keep working out until Jay Williams stopped. And he was like, damn, bro, like, how do you do this? And he's like, bro, I seen you in here. I wasn't finna let you outwork me. And it's like, <laughs> damn. It's like that's him, bro. That's him to a T. That's who he who he was, man. And he never turned it off. It wasn't like he did it one day and then didn't show up the next day and do the same thing. Nah. He's crazy. I feel like other people try to do that for show or something like that. Right. Trying to show people up, but he did it because no. that's what he believed. That was his life. I I know that for yeah. sure. I mean, I I've I mean shit, there were there were times, man, we I know we did it in Chicago, man. We we uh we just finished the game. We went out, and he was like, JP, I'm going to hit you in the morning. Get your ass up. We're going to go get this work. And I swear to y'all, I don't know how. Like, I got up. I was downstairs, sleep, slumped over on the on the little seat outside the elevator. He was like, bro, get your ass up. We going. And we did all of that before we had to catch a bus at like 6, 7 in the morning. So wow. we done went and got an hour and a half in. And we back at the hotel just in time to grab our belongings and get on the bus. I already had my my work ethic and my mindset, um, but it was just truly humbling and, and, and a great experience to just take it to a you know another level with him. That's awesome. At this time, you know you're on the Lakers. You're playing with Kobe. Um, but you're also being coached by one of the best coaches in history. He's got uh, Phil Jackson. He's got 11 rings, you know, the Zen master. Uh, he's just a legend in the game. You know, what did you learn from um, playing under Phil? I'm so grateful for Phil because, for one, he was a lot different than a lot of the other coaches I was used to experiencing. Um, he, was, he was the type of coach to call a timeout and wouldn't even talk to us. He would tell us, y'all figure this shit out. <laughs> and we would, be in, we would be in the huddle, like, trying to figure out the schemes and figure out plays that work offensively and just do certain things. Like, he he put the onus on the players. Now, I, I don't know how long he was doing this. Again, I've only played two years compared to Kobe, who had probably 10 years mm-hmm. with him, 
you know, obviously MJ got a lot of time with him, you know, those guys. I just know in the two years that I was there, mind you, I had already played for Avery Johnson, Mike D'Antoni. I mean, not Mike D'Antoni, excuse me, Mike Dunleavy. Mm-hmm. Let me let me take that back. Mike Dunleavy. Um, so, I, I, you know, Don Nelson, I had been – I'm talking about Hall of Fame type of guys, and he was just – different man like he had ways to mind games to fuck with you and how he pushed you you know we were reading books we were saging in the locker room and before film session and cutting the lights off and listening to the sound of his voice and I mean like the I mean it was just incredible man like it's just a lot of things that I learned about the energy and the vibes and you know putting yourself in the game and manifesting things and all of that man it was just it was incredible uh, we got we had it so Solomon the decathlete that you you met earlier we interviewed him and one of the things that was unique to him growing up is his dad would wake him and his brother up at 3 a.m 4 a.m and he called it manhood training and some days they would do physical stuff they would do planks push-ups some days they would cut out scraps of magazines and make a collage of what they envisioned their life being like it sounds like phil was doing some manhood training with y'all let me tell you something man if you and and and, and Drew, I want to challenge you, bro, because I want to start doing stuff like that with my boys. And I just, I'm just interested to see how they're going to mature and how they're going to grow when you start like, all right, we're going to take your ass to bed. We're getting up at three in the morning. And before anything, it, like we're going to do push-ups. We're going we gonna to get it in. This summer, I'm on their ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I, I just think, man, is this a different – it's just a different way of thinking, bro, and how you show yeah. up. You know what I mean? Right. Because think about this, man. It's a lot of people who will get up at 8 in the morning. They'll work out at 10 or do whatever. Um, you know, they'll do their two-a-days. And they'll go hard at it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking anybody's hustle. But when I think of Kobe, when I think of Warren Buffett, when I think of – I mean, shit, it's a list of people. Sure. Eric Thomas, Mike Tyson. I mean, you, you start talking about people who are on another level in whatever their field is – everybody's getting up at three in the morning, right. bro, like clockwork. They're, they've already read a book. They've already done research. They've already done a whole bunch of shit by five o'clock, right. six o'clock, you know? And I remember those days, obviously as a parent, it's a little, you know, it's a little different to try to get on that. And I'm going to figure out a way to figure this thing out. But I remember those days, man, when, when I was playing, and during those summers and even during the year, getting up three, four in the morning, bro, and you already have done more work than people who are getting up at seven, eight, it's different, bro. It's it's different it's when you're coming out and somebody's going in the gym and they're like, damn, bro, you done already? Yep, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Like, it's just different, bro. You done already knocked out two workouts by 12 noon. You done already did all your stuff. So now – you can really be there and enjoy your kids and really be there to enjoy the other parts of the day. You know what I'm saying? Instead of ripping and running, you know, you done got your workout at 10, but you got to be done because you got to hurry up and get back to the kids and do this, that, and the third. Nah, it's just different, man. I saw an interview with uh, Damon John, and they were asking him, you know, what are the three things that make people successful? That was one of them is you get up, you beat everybody up. You get up before the sun rises, and it just – I mean, the only thing we got is time, right? So how you maximize your time is going to set you apart. Mm-hmm. So oh, Absolutely. So, Josh, when you did play with the Lakers, Kobe had already won three titles. And the media was kind of making this 
saga and story out of Kobe and Shaq being together and Kobe not being able to win without Shaq. Um, what was it we, like? We lost to Shaq that year, by the way, too. I was really tight about that. That's supposed to be really my third ring. <laughs> um, so I just want to put that out there, man. Like, I didn't mean to hit a sore spot. God, God bless uh, David Stern at the time, who was the commissioner, man. But I really feel like the league pressed some type of button. And they just, you know, that ring went from being on our finger to off. Because there's no way, bro, we're up 2-0. Game three, we're up 15 with like three minutes to go. And it's no freaking way D-Wade averages. And, hey, D-Wade, no shade, bro. I'm just saying. I watched all of those games, bro. It's just crazy. There's no way, bro, that man averaged 20-something free throws the last four, four games. And they went ran off four straight after – Mark Cuban publicly was like starting to plan for the parade and do this, that, and the third. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Y'all here to hurt my voice, man. That's not cool, yeah, bro. You're not le- yeah, that one's not dying anytime soon. No, oh, man, because here's what's funny, and, and I know we'll get back to the question. I just had to say this real quick. But remember the controversial call with Draymond Green the year that Cleveland won it? Yep. And D-Wade sent out a post, and he was like, man, I, this reminds me of uh, 2005 when uh, we won our championship against the Mavericks. It's a controversial series, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, bro, you know, you know damn well. <laughs> <laughs> something, something wasn't right with that. But anyway. Right. So what was it like being a, a, an L.A. Laker? I mean, that's kind of like being a New York Yankee or a Dallas Cowboy. I mean, that's an iconic – globally known sports organization facts it's like being i don't know who the who who would you say was probably one of the biggest bands with the beatles or the beatles um johnny iconic groups yeah yeah probably the beatles right something like that i would think beatles elvis back in the day michael jackson and michael jackson that's a good one or in sync when they first, you know, <laughs> Backstreet Boys. Like, yes, bro. Like that's that's how it was. No matter where we went, what we walked into, it was like purple and gold everywhere. Um, you know, when you're in LA, people got that Lakers symbol tatted on them. Yeah. People are naming their kids after players. <laughs> people are. I mean, bro, it's real deal. Real deal, you know what I mean? So it was an honor being a part of sure. a tradition and organization like that. That's awesome, man. That's uh, pretty unique. So your road wasn't easy, and I kind of wanted to backtrack. Um, you know, you you were born in Charleston. Uh, you, were, you went to high school, South Atlanta at Riverdale, and then you played at NC State. Can you tell – our audience kind of from college on because I remember we talked about how your coach wasn't really in your corner uh, helping get from college to the pros. Can you dive into that? Well, just uh, I think I might have said this before. I know a lot of people were kind of wondering about that story, but um, basically I just wanted to test the waters coming out of college. Um, And I didn't – I didn't really feel like I got the support to do so because I knew that, you know, for one, as a freshman, 
being able to accomplish what I accomplished. Um, but then for whatever reason, like toward the end of the year, Herb sat me down, wasn't really playing me that much. Ilian Eftemov, you know, was his, his, you know, somebody that moved ahead of me and, um, you know, all good. You know what I'm saying? So that summer going into my sophomore year, like I put, I added weight, I, I added strength, I added skill set. I was shooting the three ball. I was like in the gym heavy. Like I was on some different shit. Like they're not going to deny me my sophomore year. And it's crazy because I worked my ass off, went in the training camp, bust everybody's ass, and then still the first game, he he started Ilya. And it hurt me, you know, and unfortunately for Ilya, he ends up getting hurt the first game, which cost him, you know, his sophomore season because he tore his ACL. So then they had to play me. And then it was a lot of back and forth throughout the year. It was like I'd have a crazy game one game, then he wouldn't play me that much the next game, then I'd have a crazy game the game back, then he wouldn't yeah. play me that much the next game. It was just all kind of ups and downs, man. It's just bullshit. And I'll never forget, man, that you can call my mother, love her to death. I called her around Valentine's. Was it? No, it, was, it wasn't Valentine's. It was like I think end of January or something like that. Um because we still had like a couple of weeks left in the regular season before mm-hmm. you get the tournament play. And then, you know, obviously you want to get to NCAA. And I said, mama, I don't think this thing is built out for me. I want to quit. You know, I know you're sick. I'd rather just come home and take care of you. Cause I know my mom was going, my mom has fibromyalgia. She got, I mean, she's got all kinds of stuff. And she just, uh, recent, well, not recently, but I think the last year or so, um, she had just got lupus. So, um, but at the time, I was just, you know, on the phone with her, just an emotional conversation, and she cried to me. And I think I know this is the first time I'm telling anybody this, but she cried, and she was like, son, you work way too hard. You don't let no damn body take away your dreams, your goals, or anything, man. Like, you need to go out there. You need right. to show them what time it is. You need yeah. to bust their ass. Like, this is my mama talking to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, just grilling me like the meanest pep talk, but with tears all in her eyes. It was just real emotional. I said, you know what, Ma, I got you. And I remember the next day we played against Duke, and she barely, you know, I mean, her barely played me. But, like, in the time that I that I did get, I think I went, like, six for six or seven for seven and had, like, 14 and, like, maybe seven or eight or something like that in, in the time that I played. And it was, like, from there <laughs> on, bro, all I saw was red. I was coming in practice every day. I was like, well, y'all, y'all motherfuckers are going to feel me today. Like, I want everything. I don't give a fuck who like it, who don't. I'm talking bit boy shit. Like, I was just on some other shit, man. And I ended up, I think I finished the season averaging like 17 and like eight. And then I went into tournament play and I averaged Damn. like 20, right at 20 and eight. And then uh, we got put out of in the first round, but I had like 19 and 12 or something like that. But man, I was just a man on a mission. And, and, you know, I started to see, um, and hear that, you know, my name was like moving up and I didn't even notice. And my agent just shared this with somebody the other day. I think I did an interview in North Carolina, like a couple of months ago. And he was saying that on the draft board, like the mock draft, I had gotten as high as like the 15th, 16th pick on some people's boards. So I was just like, I mean, I don't know what NC State going to be on. 
Um, but let me just test the waters and see. Mm-hmm. So I didn't make a full commitment. So you didn't hire and, an agent at that point? No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. So what happened was, I don't know if y'all remember Cedric Simmons. He got drafted, uh, you know, at a, at a uh, I think the Hornets drafted him. And I'm, I only, I think he might've played two or three years, but he played overseas. I mean, he had a, he had a pretty good career. So he was like the next up that was coming up and they wanted me to, you know, be his host for his visit and all of that. So I didn't have no problem doing it, man. Showed them love. We had a good time. And, you know, obviously everybody brings you in, you know, into the locker room. So I'm a kid, bro. Like maybe it was intentional on their part. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I just know they gave him my number. Now, obviously, even if he did wear number 33, it just still was fucking with me, though. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, how do y'all yeah. give this kid my I'm number just, and I'm hosting? I'm right here. And I'm right here. So, shout out to her. Shout out to NC State. That was the reason I left. It was just like, fuck it. Like, y'all. It was fuel. Yeah, it was just like, it was just like, man, I don't, y'all, I've already been going through a lot of BS. The ups and downs of playing, no matter how, like, I just didn't feel appreciated. I wasn't going to be that kid that's going to transfer. I think that's lame as hell. I've never, like, quit on anything. I just always want to fight through it. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, do I come back another year or do I put it in God's hands and just say I'm out? And I was just like, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah. And I, I made it official. And, um, yeah, that's the that's the backstory, man. Y'all got the, y'all got the uncut live. <laughs> <laughs> Unfiltered. So from there, I mean, you you said fuck it, I'm out. Uh, what was the next move? Um, did you get noticed by the uh, the NBA right away, or did you have to hire an agent? No, what so did I you hired do? an agent. Um, his name was Jamie Knox. He was actually working with um, Jason Levin. He was under his group. Uh, hired Jamie Knox, who's also Wolfpack alumni. Uh, he was he played during the Jimmy V days. Um, he's, I mean, he's still my boy. That's my oldest daughter's godfather like that's my guy so yeah you've only ever had one agent right this whole time yeah yeah well i was i even though i signed with him we were still under jason levian but i was like bro lee like do your own thing i'm gonna rock with you but anyway that's that's another story but i signed with him you know was able to do some workouts and and then um did the combine i'm trying to think if if we did the combine first and then workouts or the workouts after the combine. I think the workouts are after the combine. So we did. The, I got prepared, did the combine, and I did really well at the combine. Like I, I killed it, and I was like one of the top three, four dudes in the combine. And I remember there were co- like lead coaches, and they was like, "Listen, man, keep mashing the gas, keep doing what you're doing." Like we mm-hmm. were like two, three days in, and. Those same coaches, I'll never forget this shit, man. I don't know what the fuck happened. But Herb showed up. I'm still on my tear. I'm still, like, going hard, busting ass, you know what I'm saying, doing really well. Some of those same coaches came back to me and was like, hey, you think you should go back to school? You know what I'm saying? Like, you think you're making a mistake? And I'm like, what the fuck, bro? You just told me the other day. He got in his ear. ear. Your name is – I just feel like something, bro. Because, you know, I know his thing with me was always all oh, his body language, this, that, and the third. But it's like, man, I'm a fucking kid. Like, 
you know, it's things that you can work through. That shit still didn't stop me from doing what I need to do on the court. Um, but I just felt the way about it, man. I have no only him and those people know. I have no idea. I just feel mm-hmm. like something wasn't right and everybody's energy was different after he showed up. But again, Herb, if you're listening, if this ever gets to you, I'm not blaming you for nothing, bro. I'm just sharing how I feel. So I got nothing love for you. Uh, but I really feel like when he came, it's just the whole vibe and mood and energy change. But no matter what, man, I I, I killed my workouts. Um, I did my thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I went undrafted. So I didn't get a chance to walk across the stage, shake a hand, or get my name called. But Jamie was able to get me um, a spot on the Dallas Mavericks Summer League team. So that was a blessing, you know what I mean? And that was that was my first intro to the NBA lifestyle. So you just needed a shot. You, you got one shot, and you took advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. And um, when I got on the Summer League, um, I signed a non-guaranteed one was it a one year deal? Yep, no guarantee. One year deal. Basically, um, I think they released me in November or something like that. So I ended up going to Russia for like two weeks. Playing. Came back. Yes. Yep. So went to Russia for like two weeks. Came back, and then I did a half a season in Italy. So. I did a half a season in Italy. The next summer played with the Seattle Supersonics. And I think we was with the Hawks. I'm trying to, I can't remember who the other team. I know I played with two teams. No, it was the Miami Heat. That's what it was. Uh, Didn't get picked up the next year. Went back to Italy. Killed it. And the Mavericks brought me back summer league and then signed me to a two-year deal. I was back on deck. What's it like bouncing around and um, playing for all these different uh, clubs around the around the world? Uh, I just think it's an adjustment. And is there a big jump from like NCAA to? I mean, obviously to the pros, I'm sure there's a huge jump. But like going overseas, is that just the level of play over there? Is it elevated from college ball and? Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, you know we all got kids that's on this call, so. Right. Just imagine, man, you being a teenager, being a kid, and you playing against other teenagers to going from that to playing against men with wives and kids and all grown kinds men. of stuff. Yeah. Like grown men that doing it know, for a living, too. Yeah. Right. So that was like, I'm glad I got that experience at a young age because that prepared me for the league in a different way. Um, I had a, you know, I've, I've always been a player that had the, um, one of the things that they would say about me is that I had a motor, like one of those guys that goes dumb, hard, energy guy, this, that, and the third. So when you're overseas, man, they the the amount of stress and the, the way that they play the game is just so different. And they expect for you to, like, be flying up and down the court on both ends and rebounding all above the rim and dunking everything and doing this and being emotional and blah, 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 blah. And – I was already – I was an athletic type of player and this, that, and the third. But it's like when you get to the league, a lot of those guys be like, hey, young fella, don't be out here on that bullshit now. 
Don't be out here running around going all crazy. <laughs> calm down. Like they, it's just different. So it's like having that edge, you know, when it's in transition and you take off running and they like, oh, oh young fella, like, damn, slow down. Like, and it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's like when you transition into that league game, it's like a different level of patience. It's a different level of pace. It's a different grind. Um, right. It's picking your spots. It's being smart. It's, you know, playing the game of basketball. Your IQ, like, it's just a whole different thing. College, it's like college to pros, you still got that transition of playing against grown men, but it's like that European style, which is more of a team game, but it's like the things that they look for and how you are to going from that to now NBA guys who are the best in the world and adjusting to that. And then it's like now I'm teammates with Dirk. I'm teammates with um, Jerry Stackhouse. I'm teammates with Jason Terry. I'm teammates with, you know, Josh Howard, mm-hmm. Marquis Dent. Like, just – it's just different. How do you think going overseas and, and I mean, you, you've mentioned a bunch of hurdles you had to bust through. How do you think going overseas and – I mean, I'm sure you became – culturally aware, uh, you know, being almost in a new world or, uh, across the entire, you know, across the ocean. How do you think that prepared you for coming back to play in the league? For one, when you go through something and it makes you really humble. Mm-hmm. When I was overseas in Italy, man, believe it or not, I had gotten locked up over there. I had gotten pulled over multiple times with AK-47s and all different kind of guns to my head because the police thought because of the car I was in, I was some African drug dealer. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, I've had to – yeah, I've, I've had to deal with some shit over there. And God is good, bro. Like, I remember I T-boned this lady, man, because she pulled out. Like, I was late Sheesh. to practice. And I'm flying down this one way. I don't know what made this lady pull out, bro. But, like, I'm going 60, like 70. And she pulls out, bro. And I smash right into the side of her, like, head on. I didn't have no seatbelt on. Damn. I blacked out, bro. Like, my head hit the windshield. I black out. And I wake up. I don't have a scratch on me. I come to, thank God, nothing happened to her and the kids. But I just look at all these moments that I'm like, God, if you ever give me the chance, I promise you how I'm going to show up and what I'm going to do in order to take care of what you're giving me. You'll see. And that's the drive that I took with me because here I am, a kid from the south side of Atlanta, that when I started playing ball, my only goal was to get a scholarship, a free right. education. You know, that's what my mom was saying. I wasn't sitting up here thinking I'm going to be playing a game I love and getting paid to right. do it. It's humbling, bro. Like, this is something that we all dream of, and it's like putting on the tights. I'm going to break this down. It's like you're butt-ass naked, and you're putting on a pair of NBA tights. For the first <laughs> like, time. <laughs> like, for the first time, bro. Like, it's like, man, that's different. And then when you put your tights on, you follow it up with your 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 practice shorts or your game shorts, and right. it's like the logo is there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the the official apparel and and then you sit down in your chair after you put your game short you whatever your practice or your game shorts on then you sit in the chair now you're putting your socks on 
right? You're putting your socks on. Now you're lacing up your ankle braces. You slide your shoes on. Then it's like you putting your jersey on top of that. It's a it's a it's a feeling, man, that I can't I can't I can't describe, like a man. Dream. It's, yeah. It's, it's definitely like a dream. And then you tripping because when you look across the room, you're looking at guys like Dirk, Steve Nash, Jerry Stackhouse, you know, you got Avery Johnson walking in as your coach, or you know, Don Nelson or it. whoever, like, and it's like, oh, I'm here. Right. And then you go from that to yep. you know, an arena full of twenty thousand people, and then casually you'll see a Jay Z or a Beyonce right, or a right, Denzel right. or you know, who's that guy? Why is he old? That's the guy who made up the trailer parks, or that's the guy who invented this, or that's the guy who fucking did this with Microsoft. And you're like, what? Yeah. I'm in the room with billionaires <laughs> and millionaires. Like, bro, I am from the south side of Atlanta. You hear me? <laughs> like, I would never said, think said, in a million years. You just years. said that's the dude who invented the trailer park. <laughs> yeah, I can't listen, man. It's like you start because, yo, these people are fans of the game. Right. They're supporters of the game. And these are relationships that you build. Like, God rest Penny Marshall. You remember Penny Marshall? The, the she was like yeah. one of the biggest LA yeah, fans, yeah, yeah. man. Like she invited. Like, that was somebody I hung around. Like she, for whatever reason, wow. took a liking to me. We exchanged contact. We would always just catch up, man. She would invite me to her crib. You know, she had one of the sickest memorabilia collections ever. I'm talking about stolen bases from Yankee Stadium, <laughs> cards, jerseys. She had chairs. She had chairs, bro. From arenas and all kind of shit in her basement man millions of dollars man i'm the sickest wow. collection i've ever seen bro and it's and it's every sport racing tennis golf like she had it all man and 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 it's like i grew up in the south side of atlanta right why am i here in your house why why am i able to rub elbows with you know timberland or Polo to Don or or um like I got it listen, bro, I got a chance to listen to Dr. Dre's Chronic 2000 album that never came out at his house in his studio. <laughs> Damn. Wow. <laughs> like I got I got those type of stories that people, you know what I'm saying? I'm blessed and people were fucking with me just because of the person I was. And yes, I know that the purple and gold or the Mavericks uniform or Golden State uniform got me in a lot of rooms that I normally wouldn't get in. But then they saw past that when they were like, damn, bro, you, you cool, bro. Like, that's yeah. what I fuck with. You know, I'm just like, that's the part that's trippy to me when I start thinking about where I've been and the things that I've been able to experience in my life that this game right. has given me we were just talking about kind of playing overseas and then that transition to the NBA um, yeah. back overseas. Like, I mean, you played, I don't even know how many different countries here, but what was your favorite place to play when you were bouncing around over there? From an atmosphere standpoint, nothing is like Europe, your league. Yeah. Nothing. Even, even the NBA finals, the atmosphere, think about this. I'm in Greece playing with Olympiacos. And y'all can look this up. You can Google it and, and see. But look up those Olympiacos-Palatinacos battles 
and see how the fans are when you're in an arena. They got to put a net up. Damn. To protect the players. <laughs> I don't think y'all hearing me, bro. You're in an arena, right? Listen, one of my one of my close friends got what? shot in the back of the head with a flare gun while he's shooting free throws. What? They're throwing quarters. They're shooting flare guns. They're lighting bombs. They're fighting, bro, in the stands. Listen, the the Europe shit, right? Oh, everything I love. When we're going, when we would play against each other, they would have so much police security. We'd have to get an escort. We had snipers above the buildings. We had so much protection because it was so crazy Man. during that time, bro. Like wow. Like we had one time they put so we played them in a neutral setting for the Euro Cup. And their fans was on one side, our fans was on the other side. What separated the two was police presence all the way up through the middle. So police had to be in the middle to separate all the fans from each side. So the fans couldn't touch each other, but they were throwing bombs. They were shooting flare guns at each other. All of this shit going on in an arena that we have to play in. How do you shoot a free throw with flares going past your ear? Hitting you in the head. I'm telling you. So the crazy shit is, I'll never forget this shit. A fight breaks out, bro. The police just start beating the shit out of everybody in the stands. So at the time, and, and Andrew, you can ask Lauren, right? The, the mother of my kids, right? Bruh, they beating the shit out of these people, and they didn't have nowhere to go. So they're trying to rush the teams out. I happened to see what was going on, and I, had to, I literally stayed in the arena to help, like, the families and the friends uh-huh. that were in our section to jump off of the stands onto the court to where I was at to get them out of there because what? the police was going to beat their ass, dog. Oh Seriously. They were whooping people up against. So you know how, like, the NBA arenas, they have those things that kind of yeah. stop people from, like, falling over or whatever that you kind of, like, yeah, lean yeah. on them a little bit. I don't know what that's called. Like, the little rails that's on the – so that's what they were beating them up against. Oh, you see what I'm saying? So they were oh, the people were like piling up. Yeah, they were like pinned up. And I saw like it was just so many memories, man. I just say all that to say the atmosphere, the things we had to deal with, man, it builds you like no other. It's just certain things and certain energies that NBA arenas, man, that shit that be going on in the league arenas is nothing. <laughs> because I done been a part of fights. Think about this shit. When I was in Italy, both, like, you know, a lot of these teams are owned by mafia and all that type of stuff. So just imagine a brawl breaking out, bro. And you got mafia, you got, oh, man, listen, bro. Your life is on the line, brother. (laughs) That's crazy, man. And being a part of all this shit, and it's like, People, when people see me or, or they're like, bro, you so quiet or why, you know, you just seem just so unbothered or so. And I'm like, man, if y'all really knew the type of stuff that we go through to provide for our families, you know, our loved ones, you would have a better understanding, man. It's not just a game. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're in another country and it's a lot of things that are going on and you're not. It just ain't sweet like people think. Like some of these places and areas you're going, you got to be careful, man. Like 
Brazil, they snatching right. people. You know, like players. You know, there's been a lot of stories of players getting hurt or killed in these other countries. That weren't playing. you in Venezuela, like right before all the outbreak, the political? No, it was during. I was in Venezuela when all of that shit was going on. I I got footage in my phone being in riots and walking through that shit. Having probably stick out like a sore thumb. Oh my gosh, a head taller than everybody. But. I remember one time I went to the movies, man, and I came out the movies with me and my trainer, and they were shooting tear, gra- tear gas, rubber bullets, and all kind of shit at people, like, coming out the malls because a riot, like, broke out right in front of the mall. And it's like, bro, I'm coming outside. I'm getting tear gas, pepper spray, all kind of shit going on, just trying to hurry up and get back to the car so we can get in the car so we can get to the hotel. Like, what? I got stories, bro. I got so, you know what I'm saying? So, so with all this stuff that you're saying, do you think uh, Mellow Ball's going to be ready for the league if he gets drafted <laughs> next year? Well, well, let me let me say this because obviously he was in Australia. I was in Australia too. Australia is one of the best places if you want to raise a family or go to because their crime level out there is damn near at a zero. Wow, that's good. Australia is the most beautiful place that you can. I loved Sydney. Uh, I love the country of Australia, the people. Um, he was in a great place to start it off, you know, but he got game, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, you know, salute to him. I just know the countries and some of the mm. places I went to was different. So, 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 Drew, real quick, on another note, you know how many times we've had those family discussions and I've expressed to you my frustration when some things was going, how they was going at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you – you got a whole different perspective, right, where, bro. Because, where you came from. <laughs> like, how how dare, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you don't feel like you're being appreciated, and it's like, hold the F up. Like, you just don't know the shit a, a brother be going through to bring that bag <laughs> home. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's not just me, man. It's it's everybody that's over there, even people, even people that are in good situations, man. It's just sometimes the team won't pay you or they're late on their pay. It's a lot of stuff that yeah. we go through, you know, and it's getting better. Don't get me wrong. It's getting better, but um, it's, it's just a lot cream. of shit that athletes go through. Oh, man. Oh. So through, throughout this whole conversation, you can tell that you're very, obviously you mentioned it yourself, humbled, um, I, I've seen it. If people, you know, who are list, end up listening to this, who follow you on social media, they'll see all the stuff you do in the community and how much of your time you spend giving back. I mean, the only two things I, or I'd say three things I see that you publicly post are either your family, you helping others or stuff of substance, motivational, family, inspiration, whatever. You've got a foundation called 21 reasons to give, What's the mission with that foundation? What are your goals through that organization? So I'm revamping it. Um, had a lot of ups and downs um, with it and like the people that were behind it. Um, but basically, 21 Reasons to Give, we had 21 different principles. And just was, it's pretty much ways that we go about helping the community. And what set mine apart from so many others was we just we, – we would – research what's lacking in the community and provide a need. I didn't want to just stick to just one thing. So that's um, 
why I had those principles. Now, where I'm going with it, you know, my vision now is I want to get a shit ton of money, right? Grants, all kind of stuff um, in my uh, organization. And what I want to do that's different, and I think Alonzo Morning, from what I hear, I think this is what he does, but I love it, is I want to be able to use my foundation to help others. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if, you know, a lot of people need money, they need resources, and that's something that doesn't require any time or anything when I could just cut checks right. for mine to help somebody else get there situated. I think I think that there's not enough of that. You know what I'm saying? Because so many people are in need. So many people want to do camps, clinics, uh, panels, um, give backs, toy drives, whatever. And it's like, shit, I could just be that person that can cut checks or you know, pick up the phone and make some things happen. So that's where I'm going with it. Um, as of lately, and I got a, I got a shout out to my set, mm-hmm. uh, Next Level Boys Academy, Gary Davis is the founder. Um, that's where I've been spending a lot of time. And Andrew, I'm inviting you. Um, and if you can, if you can make it, anybody else can make it, come on through. But I know you're here. So I want to invite you down to come check it out. Um, so where can but, people find information on that? The Next Level Academy. What's the website? Next Level Boys. So it's nextlevelboysacademy.com. Okay. They're also on Instagram, Next Level Boys Academy. Um, at, at Next Level Boys Academy. But um, it's a diversion program and uh, where we're going with it um, and the vision that Gary has for, you know, he's working on turning it into a school so you can start teaching these young men early so that way they don't go down the certain paths that they're going. Um, but it's a, it's, it's the organization is doing big things, you know. Um, we do a lot of work with the schools, um, a lot of work with just young men in general. And, you know, we're going to start transitioning to doing a lot of things in other places, you know, try and get some stuff set up for the young ladies. And um, it's just a great situation, man. I always got to plug them because I know I'm down there like right. clockwork uh, all the that's time. That's awesome, man. That's about, that's about all I got, Andrew. All right, man. <clears throat> it's time to hit them with it. You know, you know what the drill is now. So, Josh, this section of our show we call The Gauntlet, and it's 60 seconds, rapid-fire, random questions where only Andrew and I determine if your answer is right, right or wrong. So if, it doesn't, if we don't agree with your answer, it's wrong, basically. <laughs> you have no choice in the matter. <laughs> so right. I'm going to hit a big sonic boom. The clock's going to start, and we're going to alternate asking you questions. You ready? You need to get your mind right? Never. I'm just right. I'm just on the spot ready with it. All right, here we go. <laughs> on your mark, right after this boom, I'm going to start the clock. I'll just go, right? Who wins in a one-on-one match, Swaggy P or Joe Johnson? Swaggy. Oh. If you had to wear one shoe for the rest of your life, what shoe would it be? Vans. Uh, who has better ad-libs, Quavo or Travis Scott? <laughs> I'm going with the whole team, Quavo. <laughs> Would you rather take a charge from Shaq or Yao Ming? Jesus, bro. <laughs> uh, Ouch. Shaq, fuck it. <laughs> go big or go home. Go big or uh, go you're home. going out. To, you're going out to eat steakhouse. You're going to Capitol Grill, Del Frisco's, or Morton's. 
I'm vegan now, so let me let me go back. Oh, jeez. Uh, Capital Grill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On the vegan question, what's one food you could never give up? Eggs. I know that's cheating, but eggs. All right. All right. Well, that's fair. Yeah, I got to have that. Do you think a 2.5 star rating for KD's film Thunderstruck is too high or too low? <laughs> Thunderstruck? <laughs> Look at this going. Uh, I, I, I think it's too high. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. Good all right, that's, that's sixty seconds. First of all, with a name like Thunderstruck, it's like uh... <laughs> my kids loved it. It was like some little kids somehow stole all his abilities. But all right, we got we got a bonus question for you, Josh. This one is is this one's deep. Out of all these movies. What is the best all-time basketball movie? All right. Hoosiers, mm-hmm. White Man Can't Jump, Coach Carter, Space Jam, Teen Wolf, He Got Game, Love and Basketball. He Got Game. I wasn't even going right. to let you finish. <laughs> he all Got right. Game. First of all, <laughs> Jesus Shuttlesworth, one of my favorite scenes, and I ain't going to lie, when he went on a recruitment visit, and for oh, those of y'all who yeah. haven't seen it, Please go. Yeah, they're real nice. <laughs> what? That is classic. It is also very true how it goes down. And then uh, you got to love Denzel in it, man. I, I just think that's a, a great movie. It's a classic. It's a classic. Yeah. That's one of those movies that no matter what point it's on, kind of like Forrest Gump. If it's on TV, if it's two in the morning and it's in the middle of the movie, I'm finishing the whole movie. Got to, bro. I mean, Denzel had the 13s on in the movie. It's just a lot that they just bro. you got to appreciate all of that, man. What, yeah. What's my man name? That was his best friend. He had to sign up. He's like, he doesn't know. Yes, man. Come on. Booger. That movie is <laughs> his cousin Booger. Um. All right, Josh, man, where, where can everybody keep up with you on social media? Um, on Twitter, JP21Reasons. Um, uh, I am a new member to Facebook, wow. LOL at me, uh, <laughs> but I've been on Facebook for like a, a year and some change maybe, but I guess you just type my name in, and when you see me in a, a little light-skinned young man with a, a bushy fro, that's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm also on uh Instagram, Josh Twenty One Powell. Um, you can find me on Tinder, uh, Snapchat. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. All right, man. This is good stuff, man. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day, and it's a cool way to kind of awesome. honor Kobe, and then also document your journey and some of the stuff you learned, man. Good stuff, man. Thanks for coming on. Much love. And Thanks, I, I just want to say this real quick as we finish. And even though, you know, Cove is my man, love him. I know how much he meant to everybody. And I might be crazy for saying this and even thinking this way. You know, again, I never was uh I never was deaf or the circumstances on anybody. But somebody like him, um, it's like it's only fitting that he leaves the earth in such a way right um i just don't see him having a normal way of going like passing away in his sleep you know living until it's like he was so big man like 
I don't. I wish he was still here. I wish I could touch him. Wish I could see him, talk to him, anything. But it's kind of like one of those things, man. Like he's so iconic. Like this is just this is this is how is the is the stamp right. to the legacy. Like he got a is it's got it would only happen to him like that because he's somebody who gives zero fucks. You know, he swam with the sharks. He's jumped and done this, that, and the third. Like, he always lived life on the edge. And for it to go like this, it's like, this is this is some real Kobe Bean Bryant right. shit for it to happen like that, man. And it's still unfortunate. I, I wish that nobody would have passed away. I wish none of this shit would be here. Right. I wish that we didn't even have to talk about it. But when I'm just thinking of it, and it's like, you know, some of the greatest, like, how did they go? Like, overdosing or doing this or doing that. I don't I don't see that for him, man. Like, and it's just crazy. Like, what, you know what I'm saying? Like, it had to be some crazy-ass right. way for it to happen with, yeah. with him. And I know yeah. that sounds crazy. This is my first time even saying that shit. But it's like, just how my mind goes, me knowing him. It's it's it's, his it's, story. it's a bean type of way. Yeah. I know I might sound crazy for it, but it's just like that's just how he was, like how he lived. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. much love, man. I appreciate it. You know, let me know when y'all want to do a part two, man. I'm here. Josh Powell, part two. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> when, yeah. when our when our listeners start leaving us reviews and five stars, we'll call you back. <laughs> There you go. Yes. I think they'll do a better job. Yeah. They're going to get on it. There we go. Positivity. I like it. Josh, appreciate it, right, man. Appreciate All you. Right, man.